I've been thinking about change. Everyone's talking about change. Our money system is going to change. Institutions are going to collapse. Our currency is being devalued every single day. These are the thoughts that are going through my mind as I decide to call my friend and mentor Tim Conley on the phone. This is Money Philosophy with Tim Conley and Tam Lay. We were talking the other day. I was telling you there's an imminent collapse uh, in five or ten years of the financial system, and you you seem like pretty calm about it. So you're not that worried. I am very worried, but the things that people are saying in the doom and gloom world. Because ever since I started studying finance, you you end up running into people who are doom and gloomers. Mm. And they tell you the world is ending all the time. And it, and it really sells their newsletters, their, their financial advice newsletters. Mm. It sells those really well. But they're only ever right like once every <laughs> 10 years or so. Mm. And we are in a collapsing system. Yes. But each collapsing system is being replaced by another system at the exact same time. Hmm. There, there's probably only been a couple of points in human history where a system collapsed and there was nothing behind that system. European Dark Ages uh, mm. lasted hundreds of years because there was no under an, another system coming into place. There, it was just. Old system no longer worked. New system wasn't even being made yet. Okay. You accept that the current financial system is not going to last much longer, but you're not worried because there's something else to go to. Yes. Uh, the system, because just, just in my lifetime, yeah, uh, which is 50 years, the financial system is unrecognizable today compared to when I was born 50 years ago. It's just that we we were like fish in water as humans. Mm. That we were it, swimming around in the water and we didn't realize that uh, uh, the water was changing around us. So, all right, let's quickly talk about that. What Just in your lifetime, you're saying, obviously, now internet banking. Maybe you, we didn't even have ATMs. When did ATMs come about? I don't know because I grew up in a I grew up in a rural area, and so I never saw my first ATM until I got into the military when I was eighteen years old. Okay, uh, but people that I knew from uh, cities, they're like, "Yeah, I've been using ATMs for several years uh, as a teenager." So that that was like completely new to me. But they were still relatively new, and the only places that you could use an ATM were. At your bank. So the only yes, useful yes. thing about them was you didn't have to go in to <laughs> yeah, talk to a person, person yeah. to take out money. Or when the bank was closed, you could still take out money. <laughs> yes, yes. But th that was their only purpose was to take out money. Now you can use them for any physical to digital banking you need to do. But don't you think the change, the forthcoming change is a little bit more drastic than that because we're talking about potentially a completely new kind of money. 
all the people who are in charge today no longer being in charge of money. Like that sounds like a drastic change to me that we would notice. You would you would think, uh, but who says they won't be in charge? Oh, okay. I, I love I love uh, all my decentralized uh, people out there mm-hmm. uh, because in the in the short history of the internet, I have seen four decentralization periods, mm-hmm. and they all they all recentralize in a re, uh, in a faster and faster period. Okay, you, you have to give me you have to give me that list. What are the four? I love oh, that you have, I'll four. have It would take me a bit to go uh, to think them through. But originally, it started off as uh, as just re- a research arm, the decentralized research. Uh, I guess you could still call it centralized because it was only available to military and education. Then, then there was this space in the 1980s where I started playing around on the internet. It was super expensive because all long distance fees and and uh, about thirty minutes costs all the money I could come up with as a <laughs> as a young teenager mm-hmm. and and the internet was super slow. I think my I had a four hundred uh, four thousand four hundred baud modem, <laughs> so <laughs> the, in, it was incredibly slow. You could you like today you would not be able to send an email over that thing mm-hmm. uh, in a short amount of time, so. Back then, it was just individuals uh, taking the effort to communicate to other individuals. Right. It was very close to peer-to-peer. And then, then right after that, the commercial internet kicks off. Right. And from there, uh, it, it really decentralized. But it quickly, through, through funding, started mm. to re-centralize in the dot-com era of, say, 1995 to 2000. Mm. It started to re-centralize. Then, it, uh, then with the dot-com collapse, uh, it decentralized again. But then along came social media and re-centralized everything. It uh, started bringing it back together where it was under significant control. And and today we are sitting with Google controlling pretty much uh, all of search traffic. We have Facebook uh, and uh, and Twitter. Well, face, let's just say Facebook because they own like three major, major apps that people are on around the world. Mm. And, yep. and so one company controls most of social media. And now, and all my crypto people are like, hey, we're going to go into this new decentralized period and it'll be decentralization forever. And I don't buy it. Just in like this short time period, when money's involved, people find a way Mm. to bring it back to centralized power. But then, Mm. but now to, to my actual point, I don't care if your technology is decentralized. If you're a human being and you have wealth, someone with a stick can come up and hit you with it and get your wealth. And the biggest stick on the planet is governments. They will still be in control. If, uh, if you've got wealth and they've got power, they've got your wealth. Oh, gosh. Jack Ma, anyone? Jack Ma? Anybody hear that dude? Yeah. He said one slightly critical thing of the CCP and disappeared for three months. 
He got snatched up and then he came back all apologetic, saying <laughs> super nice things about the CCP. So even the richest man in China is、uh, not untouchable. Not even remotely close to untouchable. And and I think they confiscated a significant amount of his wealth and uh, and uh, broke up some of his、uh, holdings. I do question, like, why do we think we don't need smarter people to organize things for us? Like decentralization, basically, you know, the the positive side is, yeah, we don't need banks, we don't need the middleman, we can do it ourselves. But it's like, yeah, you're you're right. We can do it ourselves, but somebody always comes up with an idea or a solution that a majority of people can get on board with, and at some point it becomes centralized again. Yes, it starts off decentralized, but at some point it becomes centralized, and we're all willing. We we willingly give the central some central authority some power at some point because it makes life convenient for us. Correct. Because the, like the crypto people are so into the technology,、mm. and they are like, oh my gosh, like these are the important things. And from the early days, I said the number one important thing is not the stuff that they're saying blockchain is great for,、uh, like privacy and immutability.、Uh, that one, no one、mm. cares about except for the tech people <laughs> themselves. Uh, and all like all these things, and it's like, well, where's the one thing that consumers actually care about? Convenience. We would not be listening to music on a digital device if someone had not come up with a convenient way to get your music files onto an MP3 player. I remember the days of MP3 players where you had to plug things in, and it took a lot of effort and work to get one song onto an MP3 player, let alone、mm. a thousand songs onto your MP3 player.、Mm. And no one, like no one, wanted it. And then Apple came along, was like, "Hey, we made it easy for you." And then all of a sudden, people are like, "Yeah, that's a that's a far better solution." To、uh, carrying a carrying a C a portable CD player, remember those things? Oh、of、my gosh, <laughs> carrying these <laughs> giant things. Okay, so I'm still thinking about. Yeah, you've definitely given me some new ideas about how a central authority can still take control of this so-called decentralized new system. But you also said in the beginning you're kind of worried. So what are you worried about right now? What I'm worried about is confiscation. Uh, through through a variety of means,、uh, taxation, inflation, you know, purposeful inflation. We're seeing that right now, and the third one is just blatant theft by、uh, by governments. They're just、okay. like we're just going to take it. Okay, and and we're we're seeing those things. We're seeing those things too. So I, I've been a big fan of like the Five Flags theory for a long, long time. When I first discovered the book PT by W. G. Hill, and I, I read that, and I'm like, oh, this this is this is right on.、Uh, Can you explain the Five Flag theory? Because I'm not familiar with it. Yeah. So the Five Flag theory is that you separate your life. Uh, across five jurisdictions,、mm. so five separate flags on on the planet. So one place, one flag is where you live.、Mm -hmm. This is your residence.、Uh, another flag is where you do business. Another flag is where you do your finances.
Mm-hmm. Uh, fourth flag is where you uh, play. And the fifth flag is your citizenship. Like what countries are you a part of? And it really recommends that you have two, at a minimum two citizenships. So you have two passports. Mm. So spread your life over the cro- over five jurisdictions because of the tendency of governments to confiscate. Okay, that I was going to ask. So you're concerned about that, but why now more than previously? Or are you saying this has always been a concern? It's it's always been a concern, but a mild one. So why? Until what's increased it now? 2020, when the world governments all discovered they could l- lock up ah. every one of their citizens. That's what that has never happened. Ever. Like... I, like, I'm so surprised that all those doom and gloomers aren't making that, like, the big thing to talk about. It's never happened in human history. Hmm. The closest was the Soviet Union. Now that they've discovered that, within government, you know, we're talking like large, a, a very large amount of people with a very large range of thinking. So how are they all going to get on the same page to take advantage of this? Because power loves to use power. Hmm. If you've got a, a hammer, you are going to use that hammer. <laughs> and it's like, oh, we just now, now we've discovered we have a sledgehammer. We're not going to use that little puny hammer anymore. We're going to use the sledgehammer from now on. Like lockdowns, I uh, my thinking is lockdowns are going to become a common part mm. of human life. Not even including digital lockdowns. And that's a, a, an idea that I haven't completely thought through yet. But I think that's coming. Mm. You know, uh, China's great firewall. Mm. So to recap, the change in the financial system in itself, in and of itself, is not anything drastic to be worried about. It's the new system. There's going to be a new financial system. So what we have to remember then is we need to adopt it sooner rather than later. Well, that's the thing is don't worry about money. Right. Worry about assets because all assets can be turned into money at any point. But money can be turned into absolutely nothing at at any any point. point. Yes. Great, great. Well put. So the key is to make sure we have assets that cannot be easily taken away. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, like uh, go back to the beginning of this. No such thing. As long as you are in physical form, unless we can download our conscience into the internet itself and become a, a, a digital entity, we're always at the mercy of someone taking it. <laughs> sure. But we're talking about a sliding scale, right? So there's some form of wealth that can easily be swiped and there's other forms that's a little bit more difficult. And if you spread yourself around over five, over these five mm, areas, which which is really interesting. I've never thought about this. So you're saying it's 
it's better for you to reside in a place where you're not a citizen and have a bank in another place and do your business in another place. Correct. Interesting. I've never thought about that. I'm kind of already doing that. It's hard and it's uh, it, uh, it's very difficult to do. And it, and governments make it harder and harder to do. Cause yeah, because they, they are, want you in one place. Right? It does not help governments if people do this. It doesn't. So uh, So it's not easy to do. You can run afoul of a government quickly if you do this wrong, especially like an American citizen where we have global taxation. Mm. You can never live in the United States but be a U.S. citizen and owe taxes uh, to, the, uh, to the U.S. government and never use any of the resources in mm. this country. Mm. So... <laughs> So you can you can quickly run afoul of all of America's rules and regulations because they're designed for people to run afoul of them. <laughs> wow. But if you can do it, then you are that's the that's the best way to decentralize your life is to spread it across five flags. You could get away with three flags. Mm. But like, like right now, my life is one flag and uh -huh. that's incredibly risky. Mm. Before it wasn't terribly risky because the world was open. But 2020 proved that the world isn't open anymore. Awesome. Awesome first episode. Thanks, Tim. This is Money Philosophy with Tim Conley and Tam Lay. All right. After speaking with Tim today, I'm left with a couple of questions. And by the way, I love being left with questions way more than being left with answers. And I especially like these two questions. So question number one, are decentralization and recentralization a part of a natural ever repeating cycle? And question number two, as economic and political instability increases, does the application of the five flag theory give us a path to personal freedom? Hmm. All right. That's it from me. I'm Tan Lei. This is Money Philosophy. Join me again next time.